Hey there, Anna Guest Jelly here. Welcome to Love Curvy Yoga, the podcast where we talk about and practice all things body affirming and yoga. Now let's get into it. everybody. I hope that you enjoyed the guided meditation from last week's podcast. I really like having things like that, knowing that I can go back to them in the future. So I hope that you bookmark that or save it so that you can listen to it again later if you found it helpful. So I had an idea for this week's podcast and then something happened in real time that I thought, I think I need to share this instead. So what happened is I found myself journaling about what happened, and I won't be cryptic about what it is, I'll tell you in a minute, but I first just wanted to say that I was journaling about it and kind of making some notes about how to walk myself out of it so I could remember in the future when I thought, I think this process may be helpful for some other folks, so that's what we're going to get into today. So here's what happened. On Monday morning, I finished a big project that I've been working on for a while, but definitely very intensely in the past week. And over the weekend, because I was working over the weekend on this project, I kept telling myself, okay, so on Monday, once you finish, then you can take the rest of the day off. You can watch as many episodes of The West Wing as you want, because Yes, I am rewatching that show for the third time. <laughs> um, go for a swim, call friends and talk to them, just whatever. I was going to take the whole day off, um, not check my email, any of that kind of stuff. And I was excited about all of that. So the day got started. I turned the project in, finished it. I started watching Netflix and I was, you know, having a great time sitting there knitting, watching, laughing. And that lasted for about five minutes. (laughs) And then I just started feeling terrible. I was not comfortable in my skin. I could not settle down. I felt really anxious. And I just could not figure out what was going on. Like, this is my day off. Why am I feeling this way? Relatively quickly into that process, I started noticing the thoughts that I was having. And the thoughts that I was having were catastrophizing. So if you're not familiar with catastrophizing, what it means is that you spin out a million different worst case scenarios about really anything in your life. (laughs) So for me, some of this was related to that project. Some of it was just, you know, random bad things that could be happening at any point. And my mind was just going and going and going with all of these things. So as this was happening and really this kind of thing, catastrophic thinking, happens to me or in my mind every single day, but sometimes the volume is just turned up on it. And so this is one of those days that it was like really amplified. And so the first thing that I did was just notice that it was happening, like I said. And that might sound like the easy part, but I actually think that that is one of the hardest parts. And for me, I know that that would not be possible without my yoga and meditation practices because that is where I learned to notice what was happening in my body, my breath, my thoughts, and to become more aware of my thought patterns. So just to give a different example from the catastrophic thinking, one pattern of thought that I've noticed as a result 
of becoming more aware of my thoughts in general through those practices is that if I am sick, it is almost inevitable that sometime during the process of being sick, I will start feeling bad about my body. And I don't mean like, oh, poor me, I'm sick. It manifests in all kinds of body hate and shame. And so it's not even directly related to the sickness. It's more like, why do you look this way? You should change yourself. You know, all of that kind of garbage that I know all of you are probably somewhat familiar with at least. Um, And so when I started to notice that correlation, gosh, every time I feel sick, I also start getting down on myself. What happens is that now when that comes up, I'm not surprised. I'm like, oh, here's this again. This always happens. And that just takes all of the pressure out of it and deflates it and just makes me be like, oh, this is just my thought pattern. This is how I respond when I'm sick rather than feeling like it's true and like I should, you know, jump on the next diet that comes by way or whatever the case is. So that's just a different example of noticing a pattern of thought. So like I mentioned, this is far from the very first time (laughs) that I have catastrophized, but still when I'm in the middle of it, it's often hard to remember that there's another way, that I have resources that are available to me or that any resources exist at all. (laughs) It often is kind of a lost in the woods kind of feeling like, how am I going to find my way out? So once I started noticing that this was happening, the first thing I did was ask myself, what else is going on here? So one thing I've noticed about these thought patterns is there's often something deeper underneath them. And so I noticed like, okay, I'm catastrophizing and, but still now what? So the question was sort of helpful, but um, I knew that I needed a little bit more, a different way in this time. Sometimes that question is super helpful to me. So then I switched gears later in the day because all of this is still going on. So this process that I'm describing was not like, oh, now I'm going to do steps one through five and, you know, solve this problem. It's more like I'm in the thick of it. I'm feeling terrible. And, oh, one thought pops through of something I might be able to do. Then I'm back in it feeling terrible. And, oh, another thought pops through of what I might be able to do. So the second question that I asked myself is, what resources have helped me with this in the past and or what resources might I be able to find? So once I asked myself that question, I realized, oh, right, (laughs) I have done some looking into this before. And one thing that's been very helpful to me is from Brene Brown, and she talks about this idea of foreboding joy. So what she says is that joy is one of the hardest emotions for us to feel. And I know that that may seem counterintuitive, like who doesn't want to feel joy? But what she says is that uses to describe catastrophic thinking. So something good happens and then you start worrying immediately about what is going to take that good thing away from you. So what she says is that people who have a great capacity for joy and vulnerability still feel that same moment that we're talking about. They feel that moment of now what's going to happen? But instead of, like I did, (laughs) falling down the hole into catastrophizing, they take a moment, take that as a sign, and flip it into gratitude and being grateful for what they do have in that very moment. So clearly that's something I can continue to work on, but it was helpful for me to remember and to humanize the moment. This is something that happens to a lot of people. I am not alone. I am a human, and there are ways for me to work with this. 
The other thing that I remembered is from a book by Gay Hendricks, and it's this idea of an upper limit problem. So this is fairly similar, somewhat similar at least to the foreboding joy idea, but what he says is that we all have limits on how much happiness and success we allow ourselves to have. Again, this may seem something like, what are you talking about? Like, I want myself to have limitless success and happiness. And in your mind, in some ways that may be true, but most of us will say, you know, subconsciously, this much happiness and success is okay, but this much is not okay. So when we hit that point of not okay, or we fear that we're hitting that point, then that's when we go into the catastrophic thinking. So I remembered those two things. I didn't have a ton of time to dig into them, so I just made a quick note about them in my journal, knowing that I would come back to them later in the day. But while I was there, you know, I had like one extra minute, I decided to do a quick brain dump and just write out all the things I was worried about that would happen. And I just like kept going and going, (laughs) filled the whole page with all the things that had been on my mind. And there was something about just seeing it all written down there that again, just kind of took the wind out of the sails immediately. Um, Now, not completely, but definitely they were not at full mast or whatever the you know, sailing term would be, I don't know anything about that kind of thing, (laughs) Um, to continue that analogy, but it deflated things for sure for me. So writing those things down helped me to get some more insights going. So I started making dinner, and as I was just, you know, kind of going through the routine of making dinner, I remembered another idea from Brene Brown, and this is the idea of a vulnerability hangover. And this is something that's actually been really useful to me in the past, but again, I didn't remember it in the moment, but later on I did. So the idea of the vulnerability hangover is that it is what happens the day or you know, sometimes the hour or whatever after sharing or doing something vulnerable. And that's the moment that you, you know, wake up or the event is over or whatever and you just start thinking, why on earth did I do that? Why did I share that vulnerable thing? You start thinking about all the ways that you screwed it up, that everything is sure to fall apart. So again, what I love about this idea of a vulnerability hangover is it makes clear a process that's happening in your mind and that can help you feel less stuck in it, make you feel like it's less true in the moment. It's like I described with the whole sickness thing. Now when you see it, you're like, oh right, this is a vulnerability hangover, and it makes you feel a little bit less stressed about what's going on. So my night continued on from there. I taught a yoga class, and then I sat down to dig a little bit more in my journal. And I looked up, just (laughs) very straightforward, how to stop catastrophic thinking online, and I found a few articles from sources that I like. When I read something useful, I just wrote it down. And, you know, I'm talking about a lot about writing things down because that is what helps me to integrate things, to remember them. But for you, if that's not helpful and instead you want to record a voice memo or tell a friend or whatever, that's fine. I don't think the medium really matters as much as the process. So I started a list of what to do when this happens in the future, and I kind of dog-eared that page in my journal so that I could go back to it later when I need it. One of the things that's been really helpful to me in the past is having an affirmation. 
And I know that if you're like me, you may hear affirmation and roll your eyes. Um, and I'm with you because I think in many ways, the idea of an affirmation has been oversimplified. Like if you just say, I am a millionaire 17,000 times, then you will become one. Obviously, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but for me, what an affirmation is, is really just a reminder of something that I am working with. So I wanted to find a short sentence or something like that that I could work with. And for me, what I do with these is every night in my journal, I just write down that one sentence. I don't do anything else active with it except for that. But there's something about doing that on a regular basis that helps me to just integrate it a little bit more into my being, into my process. So as I was going along with these things, I was reminded of why I feel so bad when I'm in catastrophizing, and that is because your brain can't actually distinguish between worrying about a bad thing happening and the actual bad thing happening. So of course I felt terrible. My poor brain and body feels like the world is falling apart at the seams when really it's just my mind running away from me. So that reminded me, okay, I really want to make sure that I get this affirmation and figure out what it is. And then it hit me. The affirmation is, I can feel hard things. And as soon as it came to me, I knew that it was perfect because that is exactly what I want, to remember that I'm whole at my core and that I can feel all of my feelings and that it'll be okay. Now, there's a big part of me that does not want to feel those things, clearly, <laughs> that instead will do things like catastrophizing, running away, hiding, all of my patterns. But ultimately, I think what life is about is being able to feel all of these feelings and know that you still have that core that can't be shaken by those feelings. So I can feel hard things as a riff off of Glennon Melton's We Can Do Hard Things. But the shift from do to feel is perfect for where I am right now. So you may or may not experience catastrophic thinking, but it's the process I really wanted to talk to you about and sort of sum up here. So what I did first was notice what was happening. And all of that as a result of yoga and meditation, that to me is why we practice. It's because we continue to build awareness, you know, day after week, after month, after year of our breath, our body, our mind. And then through that process of cultivating awareness, we are able to apply it in the rest of our lives. I also asked myself questions about what was happening. And I said the first one that I asked didn't really help too much in the moment. So then I had to find another one. Sometimes that happens. Then I asked myself about what resources I already had. I looked at them, and then I also looked for more. Nothing complicated, simple Google search. I wrote everything down, both for now, just to help me remember it in the moment, and also to remind myself for later. And then I also came up with an affirmation or a reminder, which is really just a shortcut so that I can come back to to remind myself that every, of everything that I came up with. So, you know, the only reason that I could really do this process on my own, besides what I've learned through yoga and meditation, is through the years that I have spent in therapy. <laughs> so if you are like, how am I going to do this? Um, I always recommend therapy if it's available to you. Um, it certainly is helpful to have that support. The other thing I want to mention here is that once you start noticing something like this, you start noticing your resources, 
Don't be surprised if you run into more and more of them over the next few days. So this is that phenomenon, I'm sure you've heard about this, where it's something like if you buy a teal car, you feel like you've never seen a teal car before, then suddenly everywhere you look on the road, there's a million teal cars. What's happening there is just attention. You have brought attention to something that you were not paying attention to before. So that definitely helped it happened for me over the next few days. I remembered other books I have that would be helpful from Pema Chodron, and I'll link to that and everything that I've mentioned in the show notes. I encountered some useful ideas in a newsletter. I listened to a podcast that happened to be talking about this idea, though I did not know that it would be. So that will likely happen for you, and you may have already experienced that. Once you start paying attention to that, once you start looking for those resources, more may present themselves. So this is really just all about awareness and attention. Paying attention to your body and your breath helps you pay attention in your life. So let's take one breath together to close. Let's inhale and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Thanks for listening to Love Curvy Yoga. You can find more information about this podcast and all things Curvy Yoga at curvyyoga.com. If you love the show, please share it or even review it in iTunes. Both help us get the word out that yoga is a way to come home to your body and yourself exactly as you are today. Have a great day and curve on. Oh,